Good morning, Cincinnati. So are we going to intro this episode by the fact that Deacon Mike clobbered Michael in a wrestling match the last time he was in town? No comment. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the Sheepdogs podcast. Today we're excited to have my brother, one of my brothers, Deacon Mike Willig, who's with us here today. Thanks for tuning in, Deacon Mike. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So Deacon Mike is tuning in from Mount St. Mary's Seminary of the West in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, super blessed to have him. Of course, uh, one of my best friends, Deacon Mike, and we had spent some time in seminary together, but of course grew up together too. And I'm sure maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, Deacon Mike is going to dive in with us today and teach us a little bit about fatherhood as he is about to be ordained in, what's the count now? How many days? <laughs> uh, May 21st. So May 21st. yeah, under two months. months. Wow. Super exciting. Super exciting. So uh, yeah, here also with Johnny and Mike. Michael, and uh, yeah, excited to get this day started. Awesome. Father, could you lead us in a prayer? Sure. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray, uh, especially for Deacon Mike and for ourselves, that we are just open to the Holy Spirit this day and the words that he wants to speak to us. And we pray, yeah, for all those who are tuning in, that we may come to... uh, just grow in our vocations, whatever that may be, especially for all fathers out there uh, and men, they will never be afraid to uh, just follow that call from the Lord, wherever that may be. That's a spiritual father or a natural father. And yeah, we just pray that we glorify you, Lord, and come to know you in a deeper way in this podcast. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mike, you have come around to Miami a couple times, uh, and we finally got you on the podcast. It's been a while. This is episode 20, which we're excited about, and it's a perfect time to talk about what, I believe you wrote, is it a theological dissertation? Am I getting that right? It's a a master's thesis. Master's thesis. Okay. Okay. So, master's thesis on the topic of crisis and fatherhood. Could you, like, just... Tell us what that is. What, what even inspired that topic in the first place? Absolutely. And a little uh, disclaimer, I haven't finished the thesis yet. So it is a work in progress. Um, almost finished, but still working on it. And to begin with what inspired it, um, certainly the realization of a great need for good fathers um, in in society today, in our culture. And yeah, just growing up realizing, you know, I was very fortunate to have a a good father and two good grandfathers in my life who really inspired me. 
Um, but also realizing that not a lot of people have that kind of experience. And as I grew older, entered seminary, I realized that the true uh, lack um, of, of good fathers, uh, particularly, yeah, in our society today among, you know, especially the poor, um, but uh, also just in general, a lack of uh, good fathers. And I remember reading in one of our classes a particular book. It's actually a dissertation by a priest, Father uh, Carter Griffin. See that? And he, sp he speaks about supernatural fatherhood as lived out through priestly, through the priestly life, through priestly celibacy and what that means. And for me, it was a, an intriguing topic because uh, as you know, I'm gonna be ordained a priest and priests don't have biological children, right? We don't get married. And so we give that up as part of our, our call, our vocation, our imitation of Christ. Yet we are fathers and of course, even called fathers, you know, you call address a priest as, as father. And so I wanted to understand more about that dynamic, what that means and how that can help other people in the world understand their roles as fathers. Um, so yeah, diving deeper into that, did you focus more on priesthood as fathers or the crisis in fatherhood, like earthly, earthly fathers? Sure, I focus, this thesis is specifically on uh, biological or natural fatherhood. And yeah, the reason for that, basically I wanted to help those men who are out there, men that are gonna be in the parish to understand not only their natural role as a biological father, um, but also the spiritual role, which I think is certainly neglected um, by, by many or, or not even understood, not even understood by many of uh, fathers today. Awesome. So speaking about natural fatherhood and how it, the progression, I think it, it, we think in like today's times, we, we, there's, as you mentioned, there's this, you know, large crisis, um, but it didn't seem like it was always that way. So what is going on today that is discouraging or deterring men from desiring to be a great father? That's a, that's a good question. And I think in order to answer that, we have to look at a little bit of the history and what was going on. So um, just as, as an aside, the thesis that I'm doing looks back to the time of Leo the 13th, so the late 19th century, and what was going on then and then from that time period up into basically John Paul II. Uh, so, you know, roughly 100 years and the, the various cultural dynamics at play. Um, so a, a big thing is really the, the Enlightenment philosophers 
and the impact that they had on understanding the understanding of the human person and the role of the human person. So, for example, going back even to, to John Locke, who uh, a philosopher, Enlightenment philosopher, who kind of developed the modern rights theory and uh, set up kind of social roles in in a um, in a way that is based on a contract between two people, kind of an agreement um, between two people, which when it comes to marriage and family is different than what we have in the church, our understanding in the church of it being a covenant that is certainly between two people, but also uh, between God as well. Something that is set up by God, that God made man and woman to become one flesh, a united union until death. Um, and I think, you know, going from John Locke, who looked at things as a contract that could be voided or broken at a certain time, um, and certainly he wasn't the only one, but you have like Rousseau, who followed him in some ways. Um, also, you have Marx and Engels, who further divided the family roles, um, which I think it took, took fatherhood uh, further, or pushed fatherhood out of the picture, further the role of fatherhood as being the leader, uh, the protector, the servant, and having kind of his, his place uh, within the family. And that has continued on uh, through our, our modern age. Of course, there are other factors outside of the, the um, philosophical factors. So a big one would be the urbanization. When centuries ago, fathers often worked closely with their family in you know, agrarian societies, um, or even in trades, working alongside their sons and even daughters in some cases um, in, a, in an artisan form. But we've gotten away from that. Of course, factories came about with the Industrial uh, Revolution age. And now we have, of course, the technological revolution, uh, you might say, which kind of further divides the family from itself. Uh, from just simply being together, and uh, throw along, throw in with that the sexual revolution as well, um, which has simply, I think, confused the role of fatherhood and the role of commitment in a big way. Uh, certainly with marriage, but then just having, you know, divorcing sex from marriage uh, has been a huge, uh, has caused a lot of, of problems for the roles that fathers play, um, certainly along with that birth control, um, abortion, all of these things have removed these roles from fatherhood, or at least attempted to remove a lot of these roles from fatherhood. And yeah, I'd, I'd say that those are some of the major, major factors which persist uh, onto, onto today. Oh. Did, did that answer your question? Yeah, it I does. can talk about it, but I don't want to go on. No, 
Yeah, definitely. And I think when you, you mentioned like that your dissertation is on the um, late 1800s to the, to, to up to like St. Uh, John Paul II. And when I think about John Paul II, I think of communism and I think about the, like the scourge that that has had throughout the, the 1900s, um, especially in terms of, you know, cha- like instead of having the father be the role of, like you said, the protector and the divider, it, that role gets shifted to the state and how that has really, you know, infiltrated our society and many societies around the world. Um, so I thought that was really insightful. Um, yeah, but thanks. I wanted to ask a question real quick because I heard that Pope Leo the Thirteenth, he had a vision of I don't know if you've heard this vision of like the hundred years God and God and the devil were were conversing and and the devil said hey like I, I'll destroy your church just let me do it and, and he said I'll give you a hundred years to go and 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 try to destroy the church. And that's when Pope Leo the Thirteenth started implementing the Saint Michael the Archangel prayer after Mass. I don't know if you've, or if if you read about that, because when you said a hundred years between that and Saint John Paul II, it just made me think about that. You know, I, I have heard this story, um, but I haven't read it uh, in some time. So yeah, I'm not I'm not too familiar with it. I I have heard the story before, but uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for those great insights. Uh, certainly so many things which were huge impacted to our society today of the economic revolution or industrial revolution, um, the uh, technological revolution, all the changes coming with that, sexual revolution. Uh, and earlier, it kind of stuck out to me, you mentioned, yeah, how this has had not only an effect on fathers and families, but especially on the poor too. But I was just wondering if you could give us some insights into what that practically looks like for some people, uh, just on the individual level. How has this, how have all these uh, really impacted uh, families and especially fatherhood? Sure. So how has this crisis effect affected practically families? That's right. Is that right? Yeah, especially fathers. Yeah. Fatherhood, I guess. Sure. I would say that it has certainly led to a greater confusion about what fatherhood is. Um, And maybe as an example, uh, I think now in in these times, you know, there's, there's some uh, popular uh, authors who will write about, you know, fatherhood as being um, simply equal with any with any other role, even equating it with with motherhood. That motherhood and, and fatherhood are equal, um, which certainly they're complementary, but they each have their role. And authority is is given to the man, given to the father, and we know that uh, from scripture. And so I I believe that a lot of men struggle with simply being as empowered as leaders, as protectors and providers. And of course, um, men, you know, their role is not to abuse authority, but to live it out in imitation of Christ. So that would be one way. And maybe to break it down, we could use the the three uh, munera that that, uh, we receive in baptism. So Christ's three munera, I'm talking about how we participate as priest, prophet, and king, 
And so I would say from the standpoint of ruling uh, as, as king, as, as ruler, as authority figure, I think men are, um, that has been often taken away from men in society. You know, they're accused of um, being maybe overly assertive or uh, aggressive or, um, yeah, taking or, or abusing, I guess, their, their position as, as a man, as a leader. Um, which is simply something we should reject. Um, the man is, is given authority to protect his family um, from harm. Uh, also, number two, uh, priestly. I think <clears throat> in, in today's world, we've lost the, the role of teaching children, teaching families how to pray, how to live their faith well. And so I would say in the, in the priestly realm, um, a lot of men kind of shrink away from the role of spiritual leader and even priest. Um, that by their baptism, they are called to be part of the holy nation, right? The royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. That goes for all of us. So we all have that role to pray, but it's easy uh, to pray and lead others in prayer, but it could be easy to push that off onto the priest, right? Or even his wife, you know? Um, but that, that's certainly a role uh, for forefathers. And lastly, the prophetic. And this, this might be, uh, this is certainly a majorly neglected area as well in that fathers are called to be teachers. And actually, they're called to be the first teachers, first in line uh, teachers of their families. And these days, we have experts in every field. But this is something that's relatively new. You know, before the 19th or, yeah, 1900s, the beginning of the 1900s, the idea of having, you know, psychological experts and uh, educational experts, all these different things, you know, magazines. Think of the, all the different magazines that talk about like, how to parent right, how to raise your children, you know, how you should look, how you should act, how you should lift weights. Um, all of those things are relatively new within the last, you know, 120 years, let's say. And I think it has... Um, taken away a lot of confidence from parents and especially fathers in their ability simply to teach the wisdom that they know from their own fathers. You know, teach what works. Here they are looking to the latest popular magazine or TV show or wherever they get their information from, um, the internet <laughs> uh, that we have today instead of simply relying on the wisdom that has been passed on to them through their fathers, through their patriarchs, or simply through other wise men that they have known uh, in their life. So I, I'd say those, have, those are three ways which have really taken confidence away from the father. Wow. That's, that's very insightful, and, and it seems very basic like priest prophet king like pray with your kids but it's so 
radical in the society we're in today. Could you unpack that a little bit more? Like how can the crisis of say John Locke's contractual agreement, how do we switch back from uh, to our original covenant uh, with our heavenly father? And so can you, can you dive into like the covenantal relationship and what that would look like in today's, today's day? Yeah. So certainly, um, even even looking at the the right of marriage itself uh, would probably be a a helpful meditation for married couples simply to read the words of their the the sacrament of marriage when they came together uh, to to be married reflecting upon those words the two become one flesh uh, what God has bound together. Uh, let us never put asunder, or however the, the exact phrasing goes. Um, but I think what it, what the the covenant relationship uh, teaches us is God's role in our life and our um, the the importance, I guess, of having God at the center. And that it is a commitment made before God um, to until death. And also that God blesses that. We get grace as married couples. They draw grace from that. And Thomas Aquinas uh, talks about this. So does Leo XIII. That there is power in the sacrament of marriage. There is grace that you receive in that sacrament at the, the point of entering into it, but then also throughout the life of the married couple. Um, and, you know, another reflection we could use uh, perhaps would be God's covenantal relationship with Israel. You know, Israel was always falling away. They were always failing, always falling, you know, struggling in their relationship with the Lord. And the Lord was continually calling them back to himself, which I would hope in many ways is a encouragement to married couples that enter that covenant, that despite, you know, their imperfections, despite their weaknesses, that they have that always in mind that God is there with them, always calling them back to himself, calling them to deeper relationship with himself and with each other. Did that answer your question? Or could I talk more about a specific area? Yeah, yeah. It just, that that's really good. That's really good. Going into like relationship. I think a lot of people, when you say we are made for relationship, that it, it clicks because we all know we're made for relationship. But people don't know what that means today because even some of my Catholic friends I know, they just grew up with terrible relationships with their father. And so they have a really hard time seeing God as a father and knowing what that means to be in relationship with him. So that that's kind of what made me ask the question. I didn't know if you had any kind of answers to, to that, how to respond to that sort of crisis. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Johnny. And it is a significant reality that many didn't grow up with good fathers or have a a jaded image of fatherhood or relationship with with the father. 
And that's important to acknowledge, you know, if we have, if we have that, that, that we need to start there, you know, start where we're at and acknowledge that because fatherhood, and this is one of the amazing things about fatherhood is that it is an image of God in many ways um, that we call God, our father, and he is, he is our father. And the earthly father, of course, is given then that role in a special way of he participates in, you know, creating, um, sustaining and guiding, teaching all of these things. Uh, however, that role can be abused or, you know, for whatever the case may be, it could be a, a not a good uh, experience. And so I think firstly, to uh, begin healing that relationship, uh, and I'm talking about the relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, um, we need to first get understand what God the Father is for us. And of course, the image of God the Father that we've all been given is Christ. Christ, the redeeming Savior who came to save us, who comes to redeem us from our sin, who comes to show us love, to show us what the truth is, and to continually sustain us through his grace, through the Eucharist, through confession. So first, it's, it's, it begins with an encounter with Christ. And he shows us the way to the Father. He shows us what true fatherhood is. Um, one meditation for those listening might be helpful to go to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14 and 15, when he speaks of himself revealing the Father. He speaks also of sending the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to be with us, to strengthen us when we are in our time of trial. And, you know, in a practical way, maybe simply writing down, you know, what, uh, what our preconceived ideas of fatherhood are, and then saying, yeah, is this, is this what fatherhood is? Is this what Christ, the epitome, shows me? Is it true? Maybe not. In fact, I guarantee that it's probably not all completely true especially, you know, in the instance of having a, a bad father, um, we need to take those, those uh, you know, understandings, those beliefs, and match them up against Christ and what he shows us, because that is where we all should be looking as an example of fatherhood. Christ, who reveals the heavenly father, his super abundant, benevolent care for each and every one of us. Well, that's so great. And I think, um, yeah, how, you, how you're saying that by looking at, you know, our, our worldly fathers and we can see the good in them, we, we, and we in a way can see, you know, God and we can see Christ. And I, I always think about if men really, um, really embraced their role as a father. Uh, I read some st statistics sometime, you know, on the computer internet web. And, uh, <laughs> and it said that 
children that their fathers were the like the head of the family when it comes to leading in the faith, going to church, praying, all these things were far more likely um, to stay in the faith compared to if somebody else in the family was the the leader in the faith. Um, so I think there's something really powerful about that. Um, have you heard this statistic before? And do you, you see any insight in it? I'm sure you have. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I have heard this statistic. Um, I can't quote the number off the top of my head, but yeah, it, it is a true finding that uh, fathers who practice the faith, um, their children are uh, exponentially uh, more likely to practice the faith as well. So it, it certainly has a, a significant um, impact. And yeah, I think it, you know, goes along with uh, just fathers living out that priestly, uh, prophetic, and kingly uh, imitation of, of Christ, teaching, you know, uh, helping their children to succeed, because that's, that's a big thing. You know, fathers give their children an identity in the world. You know, they, we get that from mainly from our fathers, certainly uh, it's from fathers and mothers as well. But uh, fathers in that role, they, they give an identity to their family, how to uh, live in the world and in society and in culture. And if it's strong and good and helpful to their children, then it's likely that their children will carry on those good things. Yeah, I just wanna affirm that too, yeah, what you were saying. Uh, Michael and Deacon Mike, uh, it's that stat about fathers really being one of the biggest influences on their children following their faith, but also what you were saying, Deacon, it's true too. I've read or heard that, uh, yeah, fathers are one of the main, uh, ways that children, whether it's a boy or a girl, uh, gets a lot of their sexual identity from their father, you know, and so you could think how important it is then, right. For a father to be that leader, but also how he treats his wife right? Or how he speaks of her, even if, you know, they're divorced or something, just the, the impact. And of course, as Christ tells us, right, true love is this to lay down your life for one's friends. And that's exactly what happens in marriage, right? Making those vows saying in sickness and in health, uh, you know, rich for richer, for poor, all those things that a husband especially is called to lay down his life for his wife. Mm. And of course, that's what Christ does for us in the church, right? As St. Paul talks about, uh, so, of course, we need sacrificial fathers. We need fathers who are uh, leaders. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's many other things that you could uh, maybe give some more insights on, like, yeah, how what can we encourage men to do, especially college students, to, uh, to just train now to be the fathers, to be the men that they are called to be, that our society needs for, for ourselves, for our future spouses, or for those to be married, future spouses and families? Absolutely. Great question. Um, I would say a couple things. Uh, first, we have to recognize that every single man is, is called to fatherhood, is called to be a father, just in the way that every single woman is called to motherhood. Now, just to qualify, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're all called to the same vocation. Obviously, a priest is not going to be a biological father, um, but but fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood, and even the elements of natural fatherhood, like providing for 
uh, protecting from error and um, teaching, you know, these are all things like think of a coach. A coach exercises his fatherhood uh, when he's teaching his, his you know, players. Um, and so uh, that's, that's just an example of maybe a non-biological uh, father, like one who's not directly a biological father, but is, could be a tremendous father figure to those, those individuals. Um, and, but back to your question, we're all called uh, to live out fatherhood and especially for young men, you know, that begins today um, in, in two ways, in two ways. First, as sons. First, we have to be good sons in order to be a good father. And we could think of this perhaps uh, in imitation of Jesus Christ. What did he do? Well, he was obedient. And as, you know, college students, what does that mean? Well, obedience to our parents um, in, you know, as a matter of, of justice uh, and the good, the good things they, they uh, tell us to do, but also um, maybe obedience to the church. And so being a good son of the church in the precepts that the church gives us and focusing on, okay, how can we sacrifice in little ways to prepare ourselves to be good fathers? Um, you know, it's the season of Lent, and so a tremendous season of sacrifice, of interiorly growing. Um, so making small sacrifices, whether it be, you know, fasting from food or praying for others, praying for the dead, uh, praying for conversion for sinners, um, just prayers of thanksgiving. Um, but also, I would say, leading in leading others in prayer, or even inviting others to prayer. And that may be a, uh, an element. So if the first one was, was sonship, being a good son, uh, the next one could be uh, fatherhood itself, and exercising that as a you know, in the kingly role as a leader. Um, so, you know, serving others in little ways, um, sacrificing for others with your time, with your ability, um, protecting women, certainly, and even protecting your brothers, you know. Uh, there's certainly uh, many pitfalls that uh, are out there for uh, young men, college guys, as well as old. So we're never, we're never free from that. Um, so sticking up for one another, protecting one another, uh, and helping to guide one another, encourage one another, uh, would be maybe the kingly role. Um, for the priestly, uh, certainly prayer, you know, offering sacrifice in small ways, um, and prophetic, you know, learning the scripture and learning how to share that even in small ways with those around us, you know, sharing the love of Christ, sharing what God the Father uh, has done for us, um, that he loves us, and uh, that his son, you know, died uh, for us, gave up his life so that we might one day have eternal life with him in heaven.
Let's go. That's wow. awesome. Amen. <laughs> just uh, makes me think how, yeah, we need more guys just taking down the uh, Chuck Norris poster and just putting up Jesus like the ultimate mm. man. It's so great, too. I love how you mentioned John, uh, those chapters from John, like Jesus teaching us firstly so much how to be a son is so powerful and something I need to reflect on. Uh, and yeah, we're called to be sons first and good sons. And then, yeah, we can be good fathers. That's uh, yeah. Thanks for that insight. That's, that's maybe another, another uh, just idea is that if, if you're out there and you know, you don't have a good example of fatherhood, or maybe you had a terrible father to pray that God would put an example of a good father in your life or someone that you could really learn from as a mentor. Um, I think, yeah, that is uh, huge for especially young guys learning from someone else um, what it means to be a father, uh, a leader. And uh, also, of course, there is a tremendous amount of literature about other uh, good men, good fathers, uh, maybe a, an easy example would be like John Paul II, uh, St. Saint, Saint Pope John Paul II, maybe looking at his life and drawing inspiration and lessons from that as well. That's, that's awesome. I, I loved how you mentioned earlier about your, you had a great father growing up, but also your grandfathers. I, I still have a great grandfather to this day, great father, but especially my grandfather on my mom's side, uh, my grandpa Condit, he has really just been such a like rock in our family and like shown me really what, in a lot of ways, like what the father's love is through his self-sacrifice and his commitment and his integrity and his love for his family. Could you share an example maybe from your own father or grandfather, maybe how, how you were able to see a, a healthy image of God the Father through their example? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, well, both of my grandfathers were just very strong men and very selfless in providing for others. They, they lived very generous lives, um, lives of sacrifice, which is, yeah, it's so key to have those examples um, in, in life. Uh, also, another one is, um, I would say, you know, my, my grandfather, and I'll use my, my grandfather, uh, Edgar Willig, because I could tie in my, my father as well. Um, he, he would always teach the family to pray. We would pray the rosary together when we would go over his house um, with him and my grandmother. We'd always pray the rosary at the end of the night together. And uh, he, yeah, was a very strong man. He provided a lot for our family, you know, my, my dad's family. He's one of 11, so 11 kids. Um, but then also to see my dad taking that on, uh, my dad would lead us in the rosary every night and also seeing as well that, um, <laughs> yeah, that my grandfather would encourage my dad in, you know, leading prayer, um, not only in the house, but even outside of the house in situations, whether it's like meetings at work or just sharing the faith with others. My grandfather, in, you know, and as he grew older, he really became 
an advocate, I would say, for my father to live out his uh, particular vocation as a father, as a leader. Um, so that was uh, really just a huge blessing for me to witness that. And I see it now in my, my dad um, that, you know, he has become a great advocate for my siblings, you know, living out their vocation, uh, whether it's, yeah, as a father, as a mother, um, teaching them, trying to just to encourage them in that life of virtue, uh, giving that, yeah, example, you know, being generous, uh, standing up for what's right, sacrificing these types of things. So. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, definitely that generosity is, I, I, I saw my grandpa, Michael, you, you have an awesome grandpa too. You've talked about him before, Grandpa Sullivan. Grandpa Sullivan, yeah, rest in peace, man, he's the best. <laughs> um, no, he, I remember, so my dad would always tell me that um, my grandpa, you know, he, he became very, you know, devout in his faith and it kind of spread kind of like a wildfire among his kids. Um, and that's why I look at all of my, um, my aunts and uncles on my dad's side. And I see so much of like him in them. Um, and also my, uh, I didn't know my, I didn't know his wife. I was a little bit too young, but, um, yeah. So he, I think he did a, a great job at being that, you know, wise old man with his cane, um, and just like, help them walk through the struggles of their life. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see that um, reflected in my own life as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Going back to like you, what, what the title of this is crisis in fatherhood in a crisis. It's, it's not just a problem, but it seems like it's, it's a major problem and there's a sense of urgency there. And so how, how do we respond to this crisis in fatherhood? And you've talked about it a little bit with prayer and like it focused on the domestic church, but could you expand or expand it all in that? Yeah. So how do we focus? What can we do uh, today to, um, yeah, promote good, good fathers, uh, help, I would say help others be good fathers. Um, certainly by learning more about what it means to be a good father. You know, writing down those things that, you know, as a father, you want to give to your children. You know, what, what do you want to impart to your family and your children? You know, at the end of your life, um, what do you want your children to, to take away? Um, and we can learn a lot of these things simply through, yeah, understanding what the church has given us. So there is certainly a plethora of material on, um, on fatherhood, certainly not as much as there could be. Um, but that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm doing with this, with this thesis. Um, but, you know, learning from scripture, going back to the roots, okay, what does Christ ask of men of fathers um and yeah so i think studying would be one way um finding some other guy that you trust 
who you know is also a good a good man and you know having someone to encourage you in your in your journey in your goals to become a better man ultimately a better father because uh, we do need each other you know we need we need someone to push us um, to be the the iron that sharpens us um, and to yeah continually um, inspire us be with us along this uh, this mission you know because it is a great adventure fatherhood is in many ways one of the last adventures you know we've already explored the world uh, at least the earth but fatherhood is this great adventure that all of us are called to and we have to realize that and also realize how important it is for us to do it with all of our strength you know all of our heart all of our soul to just pour ourselves into this mission this this role this office of fatherhood that we've been given that's awesome <laughs> yeah no it, it does get me it gets me jacked gets me excited it's like i i loved what you said about adventure we talked about adventure last night how we forget we're in this great adventure with christ that it has a lot of danger and difficulty and darkness at times but that's like what a great adventure takes and it takes strong strong fathers to lead the way through those dark times and it's it's inspiring to hear the answer to to this crisis and, and to try to strive for that yeah and i think we definitely need to remember the adventure and the call that it is um just to yeah, encourage others because it's so easy in our society just to see the role of like the homer simpson right like oh we want to be the comfortable man who just sit back and let the lady take care of leading the house or the family or taking you know the kids are hers or whatever and just uh to not take it on we realize we are called to greatness we're called to great leaders we're called to sacrifice and we need that so yeah thanks for your words today and just insights on how to take those steps even just to to be the men we're called to be but then yeah to father others to be good sons and to yeah lead other men in that also so yeah it's been great thanks deacon yeah thanks Absolutely. thanks for having me guys it's been uh it's been a pleasure thank you yeah and uh, we're we're excited for uh, May twenty first. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah, new father. Fatherhood. <laughs> so awesome. Well, Deacon Mike, could you close us in a in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of life. We give you thanks for the gift of family, for the gift of fatherhood and motherhood. We give you thanks for sending your son to be for us the image of your love, the image of your presence here on the earth with us. We ask for the grace to strive for holiness, that we would be good men, uh, good fathers. And we ask these th things through the intercession of Mother Mary and Saint Joseph. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Sheepdog. So out. There we go. Out. Thanks, Lord, Deacon. Yep.